live from Radio Row at Mandalay Bay. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Kicking off three hours. A good day today. A lot of conversations during the day with uh, some former NFL players. I actually forget who we talked to all day long. I need a catalog during one of the breaks. It's crazy. This is, for me, I've covered a lot of these. Uh, this is the best radio row we've had because people actually want to come to Vegas. So Kellen Winslow is sitting down with us. Mark Singleton from uh, Southern Recipe Small Batch. This place is a spot. And I know Super Bowls are popular, but people just want to come to Vegas, right? It's a it's a double whammy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a double whammy. Do you like Vegas? I do. Okay. When I win. <laughs> okay. okay. I understand I'm that. I'm just being honest. I, I mean, I'm just being honest. I want, I want everyone to win, but either way, you know, you're going to leave some money for us. That's how we <laughs> survive. I'm sorry. I'm not rooting against you. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of friends who are dealers. They're not, believe it or not, the dealers are never rooting against anyone because they know if, if you don't win, people walk away sour. They don't get tipped. So exactly. they, they want you to win. They're, believe me, they're not rooting for the overlord upstairs. Uh, Mark, you sat down right before the show, and you were like, love it here. Love Vegas. Oh, I got married here six years ago. I think it's the perfect site for an event of this size. There's still rooms available at the Mandalay. There's never a room available at the the show hotel Mm -hmm. or at the Radio Row Hotel. We have, uh, I think we're up to 159,000 rooms here now. Really? Yeah, it's a lot of rooms. (laughs) That's That's perfect. It's the perfect, it is the perfect town for conventions and an event like this. Okay, all right. I used to work at Disney and we had like 30,000. Rooms, uh, Disney owned rooms. Yeah. Disney owned hotel. We control about 30,000 rooms. Wow. 150. Right. Yeah. 159,000. Yep. Wow. And we just I mean, we just added a new hotel with the Fountain Blue up north. There's still room to build up on the north end of the strip. So you can tell we're we're gigantic Vegas fans. John, John's is, basically a local. I've been here for about 30 years. Well, I don't I don't need a room next time I come. So I'll just stay with you. Okay. Uh, you do that. Okay. I'll charge you a lot cheaper. Than, no resort <laughs> fee either on my end. Uh, you know what's funny about that? I'm staying down here because I, I was like, hey, I'm going to work. Uh, I just want to be able to walk That's back a good and forth. Thing to do. Yeah, why not? Right. Oh, it's good it, move. It's perfect, and, and and just everybody's so fired up to see it. Y'all have waited for an NFL team for so long, and y'all have got a great base of fans here. You proved it with the hockey team. My goodness. Yep. Y'all can get behind the team. Yeah. Um, that whole thing was sort of it's, – it's just impossible what they did. An expansion team, and they win a cup in six, and they've been good every year. And they have an owner trying to – who do you like him to? I uh, like him to. Uh, Bill Foley. I don't know. Like, who else in sports? What other owners there are? There is many. Because I think people believe Jerry Jones is, like, hard-charging, and he's always getting rid of people, and he really doesn't. He actually no. sticks with head coaches. Bill Foley, what have we got? We've had four head coaches here already? Yeah. Four in six years. Okay. Because he's like, not good enough. Let's go. Let's, <laughs> move, let's move on here. All right. So uh, I definitely want to get into the game and talk about your career. Uh, and he is Kellen Winslow. It's Cofield, JBT, and Mark Singleton. Southern Recipe Small Batch is a very big part of working with the NFL. Uh, you know, I'm very familiar with the guys because you work with the NFL alum. So I want, to, I want you to talk, Mark, about why you got involved, the rewards for you. Yeah, you know, uh, when we were thinking about uh, launching a pork rind appreciation day on the big game day, uh, we, we said, okay, how do you do this? How do you actually pull something like this off? Well, first of all, you've got to get the governor to say you can call it pork rind appreciation day. So we got the governor to <laughs> sign an official piece of paper declaring uh, big game Sunday, uh, pork skin appreciation day. Because what goes better on the biggest pig skin holiday of the year than pig skins? But then we started looking for a charity to support, and we were so lucky to link up with Coach Mike Dick and the Gridiron Greats, one of the real heroes of the game, one of the real driving forces of the game. And he recognized a need 
uh, that Kelvin can talk to far better than I can, but that the players in the 70s and 80s, they didn't make the big salaries. They had second off-season jobs uh, that they had to have, and they didn't have the uh, financial safety net that the recency, the collective bargaining agreements have provided the players. So he fulfilled this need uh, by raising money and awareness for the cause. We got involved 15 years ago, and since then we've raised millions and millions of dollars and helped hundreds of players uh, get their medical assistance, get to the hospital, get their medicine, uh, pay emergency bills, even uh, knee surgeries and knee replacements. So it's been a tremendous thing for us. And then we get to hang out with great guys like Kellen and you guys at the Super Bowl and talk about pork rind depreciation. I mean, I think that's fascinating. So for me, I'm 33. The NFL's always been the behemoth that it is. To hear that you guys used to have second jobs? Oh, God, yes. That's insane. Oh, yeah. We were not uh, full-time professional athletes. We were part-time. You would work six, seven months out of the year. Uh, You would come to training camp. And training camp used to be six weeks long for preseason games because you were working your way into shape. Mm And you would, in the off-season, you, you would go home and you would find a job somewhere. You had a job already set up or run a business. Some guys would go back to school, but it was a part-time job. Wow. I had no idea. <laughs> that's, that's funny, right? Yeah. yeah. I just yeah. always assumed it was just great. And yeah. Like, yeah. That's serious stuff. Um, can you speak to what Mark was talking about with the NFL alums and health and making sure everyone's you know, getting some kind of money, some kind of help, just all the fundraising that's done, especially – by a company like this? Well, with Gridiron Grace Assistance Fund, uh, Coach Ditka set up the system, tight end, by the way, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and the tight end is usually the best-looking guy on the team. So, there you go, okay. And that's, right. you know, we, it keeps that consistent. Sure. But uh, it's a tight end plug there. But <laughs> they are focusing on that gap where guys fell through the gaps. Now, the benefits under the recent, most recent collective bargaining agreement are a lot better than they were three collective bargaining agreements ago. And now there's a little bit more emphasis on those players who have retired, especially those who played before pre-1993, when free agency came into effect, to assist in those those costs and issues that Mark had mentioned. Now, there's still indeed for education to the players on how to take advantage of all these benefits. And that could be some of the roles that Gridiron Great Assistance Fund is uh, dealing with also in directing players to those resources. So you want to go to the web, uh, porkrindappreciationday.com, porkrindappreciationday.com. This Super Bowl is interesting because the Chiefs have won, but they changed over their team a bit the last couple of years. Big money for Patrick Mahomes. The receivers can't make as much. But the other thing is, maybe we're not going to be as explosive. So you know what? We need a good defense. Of course. And they have built their defense into a top-five defense. And we love offense, but defense wins championships. You know, let's just be honest about it. If you can't stop anybody, you're not going to win. Yes. It's just going to be a track meet up and down the field. Yes. So you have to stop them, break even somewhere, and that's important for to have that uh, fifth defensive back or that uh, fourth linebacker, if you're playing a 4-3, to come in and, uh, or that extra defensive lineman to put pressure on the quarterback. So you have to have depth. Uh, so when you're spending your salary cap and you're divvying up that money, that position, you've got to be sensitive to the fact that you need people on the other side of the ball also. So I was setting you up there to talk about the 80s, right? Let's draw the parallels between the Chiefs making the change early. Hey, we got Mahomes. we got to play defense. 
we sat down with Dan Marino yesterday, and I, you know, I watched him. He tortured me. I'm a Jets fan. But, you know, once he got there, their defense was just okay, and their run game was just okay. And, obviously, Eric Coriel, you guys were explosive. But the AFC was so competitive, you had to play defense, you know? Yeah. Well, and we played pretty good defense. Yeah. We had a um, – let me throw some names for you. Louis Kelcher, Leroy Jones, Gary Big Hands Johnson, and Fred Dean. That was our front Pretty four. Good. Fred, Fred uh, was Fred with you guys first, then San Fran. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know that was our front four. The offense used to stand up on the sideline when the defense was on the field to see who was going to get to the quarterback first. It was just that exciting. Well, and the other thing was for you guys in terms of the competition, the AFC West at the time very competitive. You know the Raiders and. Uh, the way that the Raiders play football, and I love the way the Raiders play football. you got to give them a great deal of respect. And, of course, the Chiefs had their you know, great years. And then Denver, at the latter part of my career, really got dominant. Yeah, no doubt. You're a fan of who? Which team? Uh, you know, I was just thinking about Louis Kelter. Went to college at SMU where sure I went. Sure did. Oh, you did? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just uh, – golly, I hadn't thought of Louis in 100 years. But <laughs> Kansas City's got another one of our great alumni in Rashid Rice. Yep. Uh, Rice is the real deal, guys. I watched him all those years of college. He's 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 got talent. Which is crazy that he falls to the second and the Chiefs get him. Yes. Yeah, please. The league, don't, <laughs> let, don't, don't let him get another weapon I mean, like that. It speaks to what we talk about all the time with some of these teams. Not only do you have to change the way you do it, you've got to be able to draft and draft well and develop those guys. Guys. They've done such a good job at that at Kansas City. They have done a great job. And take you back to the days of the Patriots domination. The Patriots would find those free agents, you know, the lower draft round, the lower draft picks, as well as those free agents and free agents from other teams who were some of the guys on the last two or three years of their career come in and make contributions to the Patriots. And that's having a personnel people who are on top of every personnel issue going on in the league. Yeah, and if every team in the league is not taking a quarterback in the sixth or seventh round now, they're missing out on what apparently is the best opportunity. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> you actually, you, you should be drafting, even the Chiefs, you should be drafting a quarterback just about every year, just in case. Uh, you have to have the next guy in the developmental pipe. And I'll, get, I'll give you a good example. Um, I do think there's a mid-level of quarterbacks. Like, I like Baker Mayfield, right? Mm-hmm. But Baker Mayfield could, I think if the Bucks panic, give him – four-year deal for 40 mil a year because that's the going rate you shouldn't do that you have to have that next guy in a pipeline all the time because i mean I, honestly they well, the, the yeah. niners stumbled into this kellen because i the plan trey was lance. hey it's trey lance right. and they're like you know let's take a chance on purdy we like him mm-hmm. we had him graded i heard um who was a brian greasy the other day was saying six round grade um but then we realized at the end of the draft we started hearing buzz that if we didn't draft him he was gone someone was going to sign him as an undrafted free agent yes but they were hey here's a project and then look how it turns out yeah, and you've got to uh, spend that time and that effort doing it. Uh, some teams don't do that type of – they don't have that type of philosophy no. or mission. Well, I And mean, that's you, why they don't win. I mean, you saw it this year with the, the high-dollar quarterbacks, some of the backups. What's going on? Spend some money on a backup or have a kid ready to go in his third year. We got to a point where some of the backups were not good. <laughs> right? It was, there was some bad football down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, let's pop the, uh, the website one more time or the – Appreciation Day one more time. What's going on? Uh, uh, we're raising money for the Gridiron Greats organization. You can go to www.gridirongreats.org. You can go to www.southernrecipe.com and win $5,000 in 15 months supply of pork rinds. There you go. 
Thank you for coming on. Big, big fan of watching you. I was I was a little young at the time, you know, uh, just into my teens. Oh, but we didn't need that dig. We could have done without. <laughs> I that. know, I know. Well, <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, I, for me, it was NFL films where I watched. Oh it, yeah. wow, grainy. Yeah. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. Yes, there you go. Yesterday we were talking to Marino, and I said I'm slightly younger than you, Dan. And Dan's 67. I'm 53. And Dan looked at me. He's like, Yeah, you look pretty pretty bad. He didn't yeah. say it, but I can tell in the eyes. So I had to make it clear this time. But I'm such a big fan of the Chargers back in that. I know, right? He was a killer yesterday. I told him uh, I'm a Jets fan, and I told him, hey, I told a whole story about watching the fake spike uh, where they beat the Jets. He yeah. fakes the spike, throws a touchdown. I was at a sports bar, whatever I am, 23, and I just I was so miserable because it was a Dolphins fan screaming. And I kicked the chair out like a baby, walked outside, and then I had a flat tire. I'm like, this is the worst. I want to get. I want to just put the car in neutral, let it roll over me. Karma. Yeah. <laughs> and he he just looks at me. He's like, that was a rough day. Yeah. Like not even like he didn't feel bad. He's like, but don't care. Glad I beat you guys. That's that's the way it goes. But big fan of uh, watching you play and Dan Fouts and we've had Dan on before and wonderful culture and history with the Chargers. So thank you. Neat stuff. Thank Maybe may, I'm not going to say it because one of our sister stations is Raider Nation Radio 920. I, I could have dealt with the Chargers moving to Vegas instead of the Raiders. Really? I couldn't. <laughs> okay. All right. No. All right. I'm upset that they're only 120 miles away. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, up in L.A. Yeah. Yeah. Should have stayed at home. But. Well, uh, well, that, I didn't yeah. want them to leave San Diego. That okay. just, that's that was sad in the end. They just, yeah. I don't even get it. I mean, it, it, they'll they always be the San Diego Chargers. I say it all the time. They, they, um, they couldn't get the funding. Well, one, the Spanos family kind of pissed off a lot of san diego people and then when it goes to a vote and then um, i'm going really deep here but well, yeah. but they wanted they wanted something down on the gas lamp and then everyone dug in and they were like no you will you will go in the mission valley we have that site we'll raise it and build you a stadium and they didn't want to do it uh the city didn't have the money to do that the yeah. county didn't have the money to do that i don't think the spanos has had the money to do a four no. billion dollar stadium uh, and i can't tell anyone yeah. hey you know what don't triple the value of your franchise by going to L.A. I yeah, mean, I right. can. Well, okay. Right? I mean, you can. Ah, uh, well, yeah. Because <laughs> you helped build the whole thing. But as, as an outsider, I can't. Thank you so much. We appreciate you, you opening the show with us, Kellen Winslow, and our friend from uh, Southern Recipe Small Batch. Again, um, Mark Singleton, PorkRhineAppreciationDay.com. And it's, this is all for a really good cause with the Gridiron Greats. Thank you, guys. Live from Radio Row at Mandalay Bay, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Steve and John back here on, uh, you heard it, Radio Row inside Mandalay Bay. I don't know what's going on today, man. We uh, we customized this show for you. That's John right. Von Tobel, Colts fan. That's right. We've had, you are third Indianapolis <laughs> Colt today. Oh, look at that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's been a good day. It's been a good day. Uh, so, we got Zach Moss with us running back for the Indianapolis Colts. So, I've, I've been talking to all your guys here about this. Uh, this year for you guys, it was a really good year considering expectations. Is there a point where you kind of were like, oh, we got something here. Like, we're going to be pretty damn good. Uh. I mean, you could see it in OTAs. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it was a lot. We had a lot of the same guys from the year before. And, you know, even though we only won four games that year, you know, a lot of those games weren't blowouts. We weren't just getting just demolished, right? Mm-hmm. It was a lot of games where it was just small things, small things, um, better play in bigger situations and just things like that. Um, so going into that new year, you know, obviously when we got Coach Shane, you know, guys just bought in real quick. So, you know, when he got there and he instilled, you know, the way he wanted to do things and all that type of stuff, you can see it in OTAs and you can see it in training camp. Um, guys stepping up big and just doing really a lot of good things. And 
you know, we got into the season and, you know, we were able to put some pieces together. Then, you know, obviously we lost AR to injury. Um, and then Gardner came in and stepped up big for us. And, you know, it, you know, it was so many different ups and downs. Um, you know, it was a good overall year when you really look at it and you think about where we just came from the year before. Um, but it's, you know, God's still hungry. You know, God's new, you know, yeah, we finished 9-8 and eight or whatever it was, but easy could have been 11-5, 12-4, just certain games got away um, and execution things um, just fell apart at some times in the game. But, you know, I think it's a lot of excitement there for next year. You know, obviously you get AR back, you get, you know, just JT and all those type of guys, just get everybody fully healthy and just going and, um, a second year in that offense for AR and those guys is going to be fun. So we do have a unique connection to Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Colts out here. You know where Shane played football? No. UNLV. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, so he was UNLV quarterback, so we've been asking all the guys about that, and if you knew that, if not, just, what's it been like, and especially you, we, we've talked to defensive guys all day, mm-hmm. so for you as a running back, what's that system like in playing under it's him? It's perfect. Yeah? <laughs> it's perfect. It's a, it's a perfect situation for a running back because he believes in the run game, right? It's different when you know, yeah, the run game is cool. We'll do it just to, you know, keep the, keep the defense honest or whatever versus, no, this is our identity. And, you know, I'm the type of player that if I get 15, 10, 15, 20 carries a game, I can really do something with that. Um, and, you know, our office line is, was really, really good. We have guys that just want to be really, really good just each and every week and really run run and run the ball. Um, I've been places where you don't really, they don't really right. want to run the ball. Um, so we know who you're talking. Yeah, about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> say we don't say <laughs> So going, so going to Indy and and Coach Shane and the year before even, you know, sure. just the offense, same offense, similar style. But you know, going into the offense with Shane and you know the RPO system and just the the belief in the run game and not shying away from it and really going. Um, I mean, it was it was. It was fun again. You know, it made it really, really fun just to be playing ball again, go to practice, um, go to meetings and be watching clips of, you know, installing a run game and things of that nature, which was just great. So we've been talking to a ton of players. Zach Moss is sitting in, uh, sitting in with us right now from the Colts, and um, players have partnerships with companies. They might just be pitching a company, uh, which I think is impressive that people are starting to think about, you know what, the money in football is awesome, but – like, I got to have a job. I got to have connections mm-hmm. past my football career. So you're working with a Q-collar, and the, your, uh, your contact yesterday was kind of showing it to me, and I was yeah. like, okay, I don't really get it. So what is it? Yeah, so it's a neck collar brace. That Did that you fit wear around, around your neck, neck, Steve? Want to try it on? <laughs> Does that fit? I don't know. What are you saying? Do I have a skinny neck or a fat neck? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looks pretty tiny. You got a thick so, neck. Should we try it on? Uh, we can try it. Let's yeah. try it. Here, right, let's try it. Let's see it. So, what does it do? So, it's uh, you know it, it, it promotes health, brain health. Okay. Um, you know, it's a collar that you know slows down the, the blood flow to your brain, um, and you know with the, okay. the impact, looks pretty good. Yeah, it does. That looks good. Wait a second, is it supposed to go like all the way around? Yeah, no, it's perfect. Okay, good. Because right right I think <laughs> if it went over my Adam's apple, I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> all right. But um, you know, with the impact in football, obviously, you know that's like a seatbelt for our brains um you know and guys should really really want to wear this just because you know with the cte and all these different things out there or whatever longevity for for your health yeah doesn't even have to do anything with football just take football out of it and just think about your longevity of your life and all that type of things and you know the impact of the game that we play it's one of those things it's part of my equipment i don't i don't go on the field without it um, practice game, no matter what it is, 
you know, every time I wear it. Before I used to wear it, I would feel foggy, just brain fatigue, you know, wow. from going into games. And especially at my position, running back, you get hit from every different angle. Sometimes you get destroyed. Yeah, sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't. And sometimes you got, you know, two, three, you know, guys laying on you that's over 250 pounds. Um, and some guys just land on your head and all these type of things. And if you can get 1% better, Q Call allows that to happen. Um, so I'm a big believer in it. I don't, like I said, I don't go on the field without it. And, you know, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, promoting it and all that type of stuff, but I actually do really believe in it because I really do feel the difference just in my, in my body, my brain health. Um, and, you know, it's a lot of guys in the league starting to wear it now. Uh, we have a few dudes on the coals and, you know, guys ask so many questions about it. So it's growing. It's really, really good. And, you know, it's something that you can wear. Kids can wear it. You know, like I would say, we don't just start playing football when we get to the NFL. A lot of people think, how many years have you been playing football? And you say four or five years, but you've been playing since you've been (laughs) 10. And it's contact, right, ever since then. And your brain is even less stable at those ages. And, you know, so if you can just find a way, and Q-Collar is one of those ways to promote brain health, you know, stabilize your brain, you know, lessen concussions and all these different things, you know, why not? Zach Miles Colts is with us. You're the second Utah guy on the show. So we had uh, Britton Covey, who's a return man with the Eagles, and we were kind of happy to have him on. Mm. We root for the little guy. (laughs) I used to weigh 175 at 5'9". That's a cool story, isn't it? And he's a guy who went on a mission, and uh, he's in the NFL, and he's Mm -hmm. making He's 26 years old. It's older than me. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I talk about it all the time. So we cover UNLV, and I go up to Utah State, go to Utah. um, You know, They play BYU, and sometimes I look like you're playing a basketball (laughs) game, and I'm like, this guy's bald. He's like 25 years old. A lot of life experience. It's pretty crazy stuff. All right, Super Bowl, we've been asking everyone. You've been surprised by how many yes. players are like, eh, I don't know if I'm doing a party or, like, they're going to watch the game. Mm-hmm. So you got plans or you haven't yeah, even thought yeah, about it? What yeah. do you got? So I'm finding out that I'm coming a hoster. Like, I like to host, okay. you know, things at home yeah. and things like that. So uh, this is second year. We'll be out here until Saturday, and then we're going back home, which is in Utah. Then we're having a small little get-together like 15 people or something like that, and we're going to get on the grill, me and one of my friends coming up from Miami, and we're going to just watch the game and get on the grill and just have a good time. All right. What's on the grill? What do you like cooking? Uh, so we're doing ribs. Nice. Baby okay. bag ribs. We're doing chicken wings. Uh, we got some hot dogs and I and some steaks, some waggle steaks. Pizza, po- pizza well, pockets uh, or what? Are the wait, wait. You're just going to brush over the, the yeah. high-level steaks here. Yeah, yeah. You ain't messing you around. Gotta, you got to have the high-level steaks. I was, also, <laughs> I was also making fun of him because he likes to use his grill to to, to toast uh, the Tostino's pizza. Really? I cook everything yeah. on the grill. Yeah. I love the grill. Look, I actually I'm put becoming, pizza rolls I'm, on there. Just <laughs> <laughs> an idiot. I'm not a high-level chef. <laughs> I'm becoming that way. Anytime I can get on the grill, man, I'll go. Wow. I'll put about doing almost anything. I mean, the, the ultimate is, and it really is lazy. It cooks some stuff well, and I don't have an air fryer sponsor, but, I mean, I don't know if you have one. <laughs> I, we use it all the time because yeah. it's really fast. So it's bad. It's bad, though. You do get, <laughs> you, you, you get lazy. There's no seasoning. That's right. Uh, we have a guy on the show who cooks his steaks like, yeah, the like once a year. Really? It's not. Yeah, it's not great. My mom asked me this. You, you know, you can cook your steak in there. I said, no. Nah, no, no, yeah. you know. I don't know <laughs> about that one. <laughs> who's uh, who's going to win the game, Niners or Chiefs? Mm, I've been struggling with that all week. I've been struggling with that all week. It's not one of those clear-cut ones because I don't want to overlook Mahomes. But I think I got to go with the Niners just because they've been playing so well. And I think they're one of those teams that you know have been really good consistently for a while now. 
So I think it's time they kick that door down, and I think, you know, they get one back from Mahomes. Good spot. Uh, tell people where they can get the Q collar, and is it on the web? Is it in the store? Yeah, yet? so Q30.com. You can get it on there, um, all the sizing, everything like that, at Q collar official on Instagram. Um, just look them up, hit them up, and, you know, get yourself right and get your brain right. Awesome. Cool. Thank you, Zach Moss. Uh, yep. We'll move on uh, to Andrew Zimmer in a little bit. I think we're going to get Xavier Pope in, but I know you got more spots to do. We'll come back to Radio Row. It's all brought to you by the Vegas Lawyers. Back to Cofield and Company, live from Radio Row at Mandalay Bay, brought to you by the Vegas Lawyers, a division of Paul Pata Law. Best city to have a Super Bowl in. We know that already. We've already proven it. Everyone who's out here is like, my God, we love it. We love it. Convenient. Want to come back. Rotation every couple of years. Right, John? Yes. And every, we have, we have uh, lectured people outside the market that this is a, it can be a crazy place, but if you control yourself, you'll be fine. Uh, so we have a lot of people in town, a lot of friends in town. I've been low-key the first two nights because I've been known to have a couple of drinks. You, what happened last night? You're not a rookie. <coughs> Boomer was right. Yeah. Boomer okay, was right. Let's run this by Xavier Pope, who's up with us here on Cofield and Company. Xavier. Are you there, buddy? Yes, I'm here. Happy Super Bowl week, my man. Um, I was a little afraid to run it by you because I know <laughs> we all, well, we all have issues with the National Football League and. Like, I want to get to them, to one of them in a couple of minutes here with uh, Raj and his press conference. But you are, you can celebrate with us that uh, this is another level of arrival for the city of Las Vegas. Uh, the Super Bowl being in Vegas? Yeah. You can be happy about I mean, it? I, I mean, I, I, I think it's, I've, I said the Super Bowl would be in Vegas years ago. I mean, this is a natural extension of Las Vegas being one of the now sports capitals. Of the world, um, whether you like it or not, um, it's been on the back of the city of Oakland, uh, and once considered to be completely taboo, I was written in the San Francisco Chronicle this week. Uh, this, in terms of related to uh, gambling and, and, and gaming, and, and but that's completely changed because it's one of the entertainment capitals. People come there for all different types of things, and now. Uh, Vegas and is seen as, as a, a mecca to go for all things entertainment, and sports is part of that. What do you think of people like Boomer Esiason? I don't know if you saw his comments the other day. Said that the, the Super Bowl in Vegas only brings trouble. That he would have had the players stay in Arizona, flew them out the day before the game. Uh, what do you make of people who still have this perception of Las Vegas and that this would be a bad place to host an event like this? I mean, Vegas has attempted to clean that image up by making it more family friendly. Um, for kids, um, for people who do have families. And, um, I mean, it's, it's famously where Tupac was, was shot, killed. Uh, but it, it is a place that um, now is seen as acceptable to all different types of walks of society and people in the world. The image of Vegas has changed. It is a global entertainment sports capital. And, and I think that someone like Boomer Esiason, uh, is, he is he's entitled to have his opinion, but... I think now it's just generally acceptable that sports gaming is part of professional sports. It's connected to different deals with different sports leagues, and it's here to stay, and that's going to continue to happen in the city of Los Angeles. Yeah, I, I thought Boomer's comments were a little were, were two things. I thought, one, Xavier, 
Um, it was insulting to the players, right? Like, like these guys can't come out here and control their urges and instincts when they're competing for uh, their career achievement, right? Like the biggest thing that they could achieve, which is winning a Super Bowl. And also, it's a little projection because guess what? Just because your teammates couldn't do it back in the 80s and couldn't control themselves doesn't mean that these guys can't. Yeah, I think that's a great point. But I also think, to see your first point is that some of these guys that played in the league a long time ago feel as if they need have to police or be parents of guys that are playing. These are grown men um, who sign their own contracts, sign their own checks, and make their own money. They can, they can do whatever they want to with their time, given within the confines of what the team is allowed by how they prepare for the game. Xavier Pope is with us. All right. All right. We hashed it out. We're still very sensitive about Vegas. We hashed it out. Um, <laughs> did you have a problem yesterday or two days ago? What day is it? Thursday. I guess it was Monday. Uh, the commission's press conference, which has kind of gotten lamer and lamer, over the years, did you notice that it was by invite only? Yeah, but that's the thing I think about. Uh, that was invite only, and uh, we only have Jim Trotter who asked poignant questions over to the to, to Roger Gale in terms of our diversity and and coaching and 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 related to what the, the, the league is going to do to continue to address that. Um, that really pretty much put uh, Roger Goodell on his heels, and now you have a situation where he doesn't want to get caught off guard. Now it's invite only. Yep. Um, and so it, 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 it feels like the league is moving backwards. Uh, if you want to be a little bit more progressive in terms of how you are inviting um, different, especially with the diverse landscape of media that has changed in terms of how it's delivered, you would not make it so exclusive to who you choose to ask the questions of you and sanitize the answers through, like it's some sort of a press release, essentially. Xavier Pope, our friend in Chicago cultural contributor, attorney as well. We might battle on this one because I was okay. a big Eric Bieniemy backer, and he still hasn't gotten a head coach opportunity. He's had lots of interviews. He took the OC job, moved on to Washington. Now he looks like he might be freezed out here. Do we still have a problem with the NFL with Bieniemy, or did this last hiring cycle start to show we're making some progress in terms of Hiring folks of all backgrounds. Yeah, I mean, you've seen some, you see some progress in terms of, of, of guys getting jobs. Uh, I mean, Rob Nero, I mean, that's the biggest one, you know, in, 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 in New England. And what he, and he said, I was pretty courageous about what's happened. Uh, but in terms of Eric Bianami, I said he played himself. He took the wrong job. Some guys take yep. the wrong job. Yep. And so I tweeted this out a year ago, almost to the day, Steve. I said, hey, did. what if the if, if, if the commanders flop, he's not only going to be out of a head coaching opportunity, he's going to be out of a, a coordinator opportunity. And that's where Eric Bieniemy finds himself. He was sitting out. He's sitting on a, sitting on a toilet bowl hoping for some sort of consulting job, maybe out of the league altogether for the next year while his team is in the uh, former team is now in the Super Bowl in the Kansas City Chiefs. You did it again. Pope Stradamus. There he is right there. Um, Last two issues I've I, I got to get into. Uh, the SEC and the Big Ten are moving towards some formation of a partnership and whatever, 50 schools. I don't like the system. I don't like that it's going to get more exclusive. I don't like that certain states are kind of born into this thing. And I'll tell you what I really don't like is that the states of Alabama and Ole Miss get to be in the system and benefit from this. And I'll say it. I think both states are crap. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about this on the show, Steve, in terms of where those two states rank in education. Um, and they're rolling back on 
on, on the rights of, of, of marginalized groups and, their, and the contribution that they have in terms of, of, of child mortality, infant mortality, and, but then these states are putting in all types of money in big-time college athletics and the Ohio State uh, State employee is the head coach of the, of the football team. So, but I've predicted a few years that the NCAA event is going to get squeezed out, power five conferences, down to maybe a power couple, are going to be super conferences and as, we, as we move along to the revenue model that will allow these to make maximum amount of money paid pay players. You have a situation where these are semi-professional sports leagues, and that's where it's going, and the, the writing is on the wall, Steve, uh, and now Pac-12, that's what happened to them. If the money isn't there for you, you don't have a necessary conglomerate to get together to make this happen, you're going to get squeezed out of big time college sports, and that's yep. especially particular in relation to college football and college basketball, and that's what it is. Last one, I got a minute. I don't like robots. F robots. They're taking our jobs, right? That's the new enemy, right? Everyone's always worried about who's taking their job. It's robots. And I take this one personally. Anyone out there who thinks that a manicurist can't keep up with a robot, because now they're, they're developing robots that can give manicures. I know a lot of people who do this. Don't go to a robot to give you a manicure. That's bull crap, ladies and, that, and guys. Now, that short amount of time, Steve, you got there on, on Meteor Road, you're not going to just stick your hand in the machine and get yourself ready nope. to be prime time for no. these different interviews you got going on, buddy? No, because when people go for pedicures and manicures or even to get their hair cut, they're almost there for therapy. They like talking to the stylist. At least that's what I hear. Okay. I don't do it, but that's okay, what I hear. Make the robot talk back to you, Steve. We can design that. That's <laughs> what AI is all about. <laughs> Xavier, we're up against it. I appreciate being flexible today. Love you, buddy. Love you, man. Have a great time. Love there you he more. is. Oh, oh, he got in. Wow. He got in. All right. I want to talk to chefs. Roy Choi is coming up. Andrew Zimmerman in a couple minutes. Cofield and Company on Radio Row. Back to Cofield and Company, live from Radio Row at Mandalay Bay, brought to you by the Vegas Lawyers, a division of Paul Pata Law. Man, DeMond's getting all fired up back in studio. We have so many people walking around here. Yeah. So we have Roy Choi, who I screwed up, and we had a bump back 15 minutes. Andrew Zimmern, uh, Zimmern's coming in a couple minutes. Oh, DeMond, sure. they, were, they were talking, man. Let's make them Ter- wait. Terrestrial, no language. Uh, oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, shoot. Let's make a wait. Let's make a wait. I was, I was speaking really loudly, so we're good to go. Um, he, I, he's going to wait like 10 minutes. So I'm so glad you're on. Uh, and I tell John all the time, we do sports talk. We love this. Mm-hmm. But I love what you guys do. Who did we talk to yesterday? Was making the reference. So we talked to another chef. Oh, it was the Cafe Momentum oh, yeah, chef yeah. from Dallas, yep. uh, Chad. Um, I feel like you guys, because of TV, and we get to see what you do, and then watching beef, where everyone's like, chef, 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 mm. chef, and the, you guys are like doctors now. Like you have an official title. <laughs> like, like <laughs> when someone comes up and they're like, uh, Roy, you're like, chef, chef, That's right? Coach. Don't. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's like coach. <laughs> Don't. Uh, yeah, I, dude, like. Two things I never imagined would break pop culture or break into pop culture is Asian stuff, like being Asian and being a cook, being the kitchen. <laughs> wow. Like those, those are like we did these things. Yeah. We went into the kitchen because we couldn't fit in anywhere else in life. And for it to be like the hottest thing in the world is like crazy. So, so to be an Asian cook must be crazy, huh? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, yeah. it's an echo effect. Yeah. It's an echo chamber. Yeah. I do love the line, though, about things that would break through Asian, just being Asian. Just being Asian. Like we, were the, we were the butt of everyone's jokes. Like, everyone made fun of Asian people because we didn't have a voice to, to say our piece. Now we do. You know, with the Internet and with YouTube and radio, everything, we can say whatever we want. But back then, in the yeah. 70s, 80s, 90s, it was hard being an Asian in this country, man. Um, I, I watch a lot of David Chang, and, and you know him. You're just and Robert Irvine's walking around. It's crazy today. 
But I, I know Chang has talked about, he grew up in North Carolina, I think, and he was talking about bringing Virginia, food in, Virginia. Virginia, and like kimchi, and people are like, what the hell? Like, you, like people are actually prejudiced against you because the, your food smells. Yeah, they don't know what it is. And that's the food people seek out now. So that's the paradox yep. that's been flipped around. It's the food you used to get like made fun of and bullied for is the food that like people wait in line for now. Yeah. Which it's is crazy, nuts. you know. So Roy Choi is with us here on Cofield and Company. Um, the other thing in terms of breakthroughs, I don't think food trucks were super respected like fifteen years ago. It's like a cool neighborhood thing. And now food trucks have broken through and that, I mean that's it's responsible for what a, you know, a lot of what you've done. Well, let's go back to racism. Food trucks were always respected within the communities that needed them. Construction workers, Latino communities, street food. But it was the larger society that called them roach coaches and diarrhea trucks and dirty. But it just took a little bit of breaking that ignorance, and that was social media, to open it up to the world. And now those same things are called gourmet food trucks. But it's the same truck, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it, it, it's like so it's kind of like what happened in Hollywood where the, they used to put the television people way in the back. Sure. But since streaming know, happened right? now, yeah. now they're way in the front. You know, All so. right. Golden Globes has more yeah, awards yeah. for the TV people yeah, in the movie. Yeah. And it's huge. Like we have a foodie fest out here. It's all just taco. Like it's all just trucks that all just yeah. come up and they gather and, and the food is awesome. Like it's, that's the incredible part. The perception is like, oh, it's just a truck. Like it's probably got to be some cheap food. I've, I've had some of the best meals I've ever had. It's the best the tailgate food. Yep. It's the best like party food. Um, it's all in one thing, so it can just roll up to your house and serve pizzas, nachos, tacos, anything you want, you know. And, yeah, it's amazing. It's, and it's, like, truly the American, like, entrepreneurial dream story because you only need, like, you can start a business and change your whole life, not just financially but also, like, just lifestyle-wise, emotionally, everything. You could start it for, like, five, 500 bucks, 1000 bucks, you know. And, um, yeah, it's truly, like... The, the the quintessential entrepreneurial like success story thing. L.A. I, I'm from New Jersey, so you know I was okay. around New York. So we we had a lot of Asian food back then. My parents were very open to it. Um, and New York is a, a great food culture city. It is absolutely. L.A.'s I think L.A. still is very underrated. And 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 because from an international food standpoint, there's pockets of just like New York. There's pockets of different nationalities. You know, I've been to Koreatown. I stayed down there. It's freaking awesome. But there's so many nationalities there putting out their food. Well, we don't. L.A. is different because, you know, it, it's a lot of the stereotypes that Vegas gets, right? Like people look at Vegas and think it's just a party town. It is, I mean, it is a party town, but but they don't consider the residents of Vegas. You know, um, L.A., people look at it and think it's just Hollywood. But the reason why it never got its respect culinary-wise is because it doesn't follow the same model the European model that New York follows or other East Coast cities follow. We're a city that runs off of, like, immigrant food, mom-and-pop shops, mini malls, and those are our best food places, uh, farmer's markets, produce. And it's not this, like, fine dining type of environment. And, you know, that until recently with social media, that stuff was always considered lower, but it's not. It's the most exciting food in the world, and that's the food that gets put on everyone's TikTok, that gets followed, that gets all the food porn. That's the stuff. You know? My wife makes you know? fun of me because my TikTok feed is it's all food. It's all cooking. It's yeah. all I love. I don't. I'm the cook in our house, mm -hmm. so if, I'm not a particularly great cook, but I love it and I love watching other yeah. people cook. It's such an art, and I do, I can watch videos for hours of this. And that, that's I think it turned it around. Social media, TikTok, that's helped immensely. It, it's it, it's really like yeah, it's changed everything because a lot of times what happened was the 
understanding of food was only through these like one or two or three media sources mm -hmm. that were very, very a little bit nose turned up type of thing. Oh, you know, don't get me started on this. What's that? Because I don't want I'm not going to mention a name, but I'll give you the impact of what new media is doing. So we have a local food critic. Uh -huh. And I, I think the person craps on a lot of restaurants. Oh, I think yeah, that's yeah. part of what they think the gig is. That's yeah. no good. Keith no. Lee. Yep. Oh, yeah. Keith, Keith Lee. Keith Lee is yeah. a former MMA fighter. Yep. He goes in. He pays for his own food. Because that's the other thing, the hidden secret from the past of the critics. Like, they, you know, yep. they're getting treated. And Keith Lee just goes out. He pays for the food. And for the most part, he doesn't get vicious when it's bad. Mm -hmm. But, man, he pay, and it's all local mom and pop places. I think forward. he's changed so much. And you're right. On TikTok, when I first got on TikTok, Roy Choi is with us. All I had were just big boobs. And then I went on the air, and I'm like, I don't understand why this thing is working like this. And they both look at me, my other co-host, too, John, and they're like, it's you, yeah. moron. Yeah. It, it picks up on Because you're watching <laughs> those big boobs. That's but, but, then, but then it did change. Then it was like, yeah. it's a lot of food stuff because yeah. I just get a kick out of it. That's great. Yeah. That's I mean, it's changed, it's changed everything. It changed, and it's changed a lot for Vegas because now, and I travel a lot uh, covering basketball and football. Uh -huh. When I go to cities now, um, whatever the mainstream places are, I, I'm like, I don't want to go there. I want to go to the divey places. I will get in a ride chair, and I want to go there. That's how much food has changed culture. You know, everyone who travels, what's the first thing we do now? We look for the best place to eat in yep. that city, you know. It wasn't like that. Uh, you, uh, you guys seem like you, you've, been, you've, you've been doing it for a minute, right? Radio? Yeah, radio. Yeah. <laughs> radio? Yeah, yeah. I heard, you guys seem like you eat a lot of food. Huh? No, yeah, no, yeah, I thought yeah, he was, that, that 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 was looking at me. He's like, you seem old. Uh, yeah. I've, been doing, no, no, I've been doing it for like 30 years, 20 years. I wanted to refer that, you know, probably back on the road, back in the 90s or the early 2000s, that wasn't like the first thing on your agenda. But now, because of the way food is, it's like it's the first thing we want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So local business, right? Uh, restaurants are not easier. A lot of celebrities over there, chefs come in. Yeah. Tough place. Um, you've done a really good job over at Park MGM. So tell people what you got there and how Thank it's working. You. I always try to think of uh, the community, and if you look at the history of the places that I've been involved with and what I speak on, you know, I'm all about community, about residents. And even though our restaurant was on the Strip, I try to build a restaurant not only concept-wise, flavor-wise, but also price point-wise that locals could frequent as well. Um, and I think we did that. A lot of people, the, the biggest thing that floats my boat is when locals come up and say, this is my favorite restaurant. And that happens a lot for Best Friend, and it it makes me really, really happy. Damn, we're running out of time. We got to get to one last thing. I know, I know, John, and I told you when guys sit down, I'm gonna I get crazy, right? I get all hyped up. I got to mention Favreau, and your that show, the Chef Show, the movie was great. That show is so much fun. Yeah, you know why it's so great It's because we filmed the whole thing before we even thought about making it into a show. It was our home. It was almost like our home movies. It was an excuse for us to hang out together, and we needed a reason. Like we were always friends. We stayed friends after the movie. But it was like, you know, when you have like a working relationship, maybe like you guys have. It's like sometimes you need that to keep the juices, creative juices going. And we just needed an excuse to to do creative stuff together. So we're like, you know what? Let's just cook and throw a camera on. And you know that's why because we didn't have any agenda. And there was no, like, notes or voices. It was just us filming home movies, and that ended up being the show. That's why I feel so natural. you, you got to watch it. The Chef Seriously. Show. Chef yeah. It's on so Netflix. awesome. On Netflix. I've seen yeah. the movie. I haven't seen well, the show yet. No. The other thing that's super impressive is you're more trained than, like, it's not just, hey, food truck guy and Korean food. Uh, you, you have real training, and you see it come yeah. out because you. you can make anything. I can cook 
almost anything. Maybe not sushi, but I can cook oh. anything besides sushi. My yeah. wife got me a sushi making kit for my birthday last year. Oh, there's so a I've kit? Been ma- I've been ma- <laughs> just like the roller. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, just like the roller and knife uh-huh. for like the fish and everything. So okay. I've been trying to make stuff at home, but yeah. yeah. It's hard. Yes, it is. What's your uh, what's your favorite non Asian food to cook? I cook really good Italian food. I know, I saw that. Yeah. Did you guys make homemade pasta? Did you actually make the pasta? Yeah. The, there you go. I yeah. gotta do that too. Yeah. I, I can't do that. I don't know where it comes from either, but I cook I can cook I could go to like Bensonhurst, Brooklyn and cook and you're, cook it, for the neighborhood yeah. and they would love it. Like I don't know what my connection with Italian food is, but I, I can cook really good Italian food. Best friend, you got to try it and definitely watch the chef show. Wish we had more time. And by the way, I screwed up all the booking stuff today, so I appreciate you sticking <laughs> okay. around for a couple minutes. Roy Choi, we're going to take a break here. Uh, this hour is brought to you by the Vegas Lawyers. And also, remember, we have all these great parties in town. You want to go over to Ellis Island, by the way, very sneaky uh, local place. They have great barbecue there. They've got the big game cookout, uh, all you can eat, all you can drink, craft beer. It's 110, uh, 110 bucks a person. And think about it. A lot of places right now are doing $1,000 tables, $5,000 minimum. So Ellis Island, a true local favorite, and they're doing big parties.